And according to the Jewish tradition of multiplication, most families would have four children. Now, if it was a family outing on this particular day, the number is now elevated from 5,000 men to over 30,000 people. Jesus fed those with five loaves and two fish. Pretty amazing, isn't it? But now, let me ask you a question. Do you believe God can still do that? Of course he can. He's still God, last I heard. So Jesus then gets in the boat, calms the sea, goes across the lake with the men, the disciples, gets to the other side, and the people wake up. I guess they were hungry again the next morning, and they decided they needed to find Jesus. So they get in their boats, they go across the lake, and they come upon Jesus and find him. And that's where we pick up the story here in John chapter 6. And Jesus, verse 26, said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Pretty good question to ask is, why are you seeking Jesus? Why do you really seek him? Is it just because of who he is? That's why we need to seek Jesus. And then he goes on to say, verse 27, pretty amazing statement here. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. May I ask you, why is it that we work 40 hours every week? Maybe 50, maybe 60 in some cases. Is it not for food and clothing and shelter? And let me tell you what the scripture says. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the Bible says, First seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you, will be added to you. Now, what was he talking about in Matthew 6? Food, clothing, shelter, health, those kinds of things. He said, it'll be added to you. It'll be given to you. So we work for things that pass away. While Jesus says you need to work for things that endure to everlasting life. Could I pause here and ask you another question that's kind of rhetorical in nature? That is, how, how many hours do you work for food and how many hours do you labor for enduring food? Everlasting food. Now listen to this paradox. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. That's almost a paradox, isn't it? You work and he gives. You work and he gives. But God continually gives to you. And then they asked Jesus an important question. They said to him, verse 28, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? What can we do that we can work for this everlasting food? What can we do that we can labor, work the work of God? And Jesus' response was this, in verse 29, Jesus said to them, this is the work of God. This is how you labor for things that endure forever. Now, I want you to listen closely how amazing this is. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent, period. No action, just believing God. And then action takes care of itself. We want to take an action and believe God to follow through with our action. That's not according to Scripture. But sometimes God will allow your life to come into a place 
where you must believe Him. And when we believe God, God always does exactly what He said He would do. Every single time. We must believe God again. Let me ask you, does God know what He wants to do in uh, your life? Sure He does. Does God know what He wants to What county are we in? Johnston County or Wayne? Still in Wayne County. Okay. I'm trying to figure this all out. Does God know what He wants to do in Wayne County? Of course He does. Does God know what He wants to do in Goldsboro? Sure. Does God know what He wants to do uh, right where you are at your work? Sure He does. What's our problem? Our problem is we don't know what God knows. If we only knew what God knew, it'd be a done deal, wouldn't it? Just let your mind run quickly through the Scripture. I know it's a big book. But let your mind quickly run through there. Can you think of one single thing God ever did that He didn't tell somebody what He was going to do before He did it? Pretty amazing, isn't it? I can't think of a single thing. God always lets somebody know what's going to happen in His world, and that person believes God, and then God does exactly what He told that person He would do. And that's the way God acts. Now, uh, my wife and I have been the entire gamut of Christian life. Started out pastoring a little church, had eight voting me in that Sunday morning. Eight in that little church. And uh, I got a unanimous vote. <laughs> That's probably one of the only times I ever did. I get that eight people in there. God blessed that little church, and it grew. And God took me on to, a, to another position. I became assistant to the president of one of our private Colleges in Kentucky, Christian College, and it was the largest private college in Kentucky. And uh, I did church relations, public relations work there uh, through the president's office, and God uh, changed many, many lives through that school and still is to this day. And then we moved from there to uh, direct a statewide youth program in Ohio, and that little youth program grew from 400 to 6,000 in just a few years. God blessed that in just unbelievable ways. Then we pastored a church running 750 with eight administrative staff people. God was doing a significant work in that church. We had ministries at home and around the world. And then a little church from Mississippi called me up, running less than 100. Said, Donnie, unless you come to be our pastor, we feel like we're going to have to close our doors. Now, that, that isn't normal for pastors. It is to go from a big church to a little church. Usually we're trying to go up instead of go down. But I knew that God had uh, spoke to my heart and my wife, and we moved to that little church running less than 100. And four and a half years later, that little church had grown to well over 500. And we had started uh, missions to local Hispanics and African Americans and called students to pastor those churches. We sent people around the world in mission work. God was doing a great, great work. We built a $3.7 million structure and moved into it virtually debt-free. And it was a very affluent church. And uh, they bought my wife and I our dream home. I tell this for the pastor's sake. <laughs> they bought my wife and I a five-bedroom. <laughs> they bought us a five-bedroom, three-bath, Tudor Estate executive home right near a 40-acre lake in a gated community. And <laughs> the guy in the church said, now you can't live near a lake and not have a boat, so he bought us a new bass boat. We had uh, Cadillacs, and whatever we had, the church provided because they loved us, and we loved them, and still do to this day. And uh, then my mother-in-law, who lived with us for the last seven years of her life in our home, passed away there 
And we took her back to Lynch, Kentucky, where my wife is from, to bury her beside her husband. And my mother-in-law's entire estate consisted of one-half camp house. You all know what mill homes are down here, don't you? Well, same basic concept where I live, only it's a coal camp. And she had one four-room house. So my wife and I went back to clean up the old house, and we were going to rent it or sell it and get on back down to Mississippi and enjoy what the Lord had given us. And while we were there, several people came by and said, You're a preacher, aren't you? I said, I sure am. They said, We need somebody to come to the mountains and help us. Nobody will help us here. Now, I looked around and saw the poverty, the hopelessness, the illiteracy, all those things for the first time I saw it in the eyes of my own people. But I was the typical Christian person. I said to them, Man, you sure do need help. And does anybody else know what the Christian response is? And I what? Yeah, and I'll pray for you. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we, sometimes, now, don't look at me pious. I'm not the only guy that does that. Sometimes we say that just so we can get rid of people, right? So we can go on about our business. i got to be honest with you. I just wanted to get on back down to Mississippi and enjoy what God had given me. And I said, yeah, I'll, you need help, and I'll pray for you. But on the way back down to Mississippi, God spoke to my wife and I at the same time. He said, Lonnie, that's where I want your life to be. But I want you to know a few things. The first thing is, when you get to Lynch, Kentucky, you won't have a big fancy home anymore. There are no fancy homes in Lynch, even though God has given us a nice home. He said, you won't have big fancy automobiles, even though God's given us some nice automobiles. And he said, you won't have a big six-digit income salary with all the perks. In fact, you won't have any salary at all. But God said, I want you to know that you'll have me. And I had to believe God. This is a work of God that you believe on him whom he sent. And I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, if I have you, you're all I need. Now, sir, you need to settle this one. Is Jesus really all you need? Or is he just part of what you need? So you've got to settle that. Now, let me say that your lifestyle would demonstrate what you believe. You can't hide it. Your lifestyle would demonstrate what you believe. And we offend God when we do not believe that he is sufficient. For instance, if you get sick, where is the first place you go? Is it to the doctor or is it to the great physician? Now, I am not here to tell you do not go to the doctor. You didn't hear me say that, did you? No. What I said was God is offended when you go anywhere else first except to him. You go to God and you find out what God's up to in your life and that will settle every issue in your life. And if you have a financial problem, sir, where do you run first? Do you run to the bank or do you run to the one that owns a cattle of a thousand hills? He just sells a few more cows. You see, we offend God and we don't think anything about offending God. We just need to believe God is able to take care of us. And God has always been able to do that. And then when we got back to Lynch, Kentucky, we didn't have an income. We haven't drawn a salary for 10 years, and you can tell I haven't missed too many meals. God is taking care of us. And I don't moan and complain because my lot in life, I am grateful to be walking with the King of kings and Lord of lords and watching him provide in miraculous ways. And God will do the same for any person who will believe him. That's all we need to do. God bless you. 
So we get back to Lynch, Kentucky, no strategy. Now, I know that people think I'm crazy because I don't have a strategy. You've got to have a plan, right? I just figured God's plan is bigger than mine. If I can learn to follow his plan, it'll be okay. You've got a great plan. So I get back to town, 13 empty homes on the one block that I live home. Most of them were abandoned. Some of them were owned by people from out of state, but they were empty and falling down. They had hedges growing up everywhere. I'm thinking, man, God sent me here to help people. The least I can do is help. I don't know what else to do. I hadn't heard another word from God after we moved back. And so I went down to Walmart and got me a set of hedge clippers. cost $24.99. I got a 100-foot extension cord, and I just went up and down the street cutting everybody's hedges. I didn't ask permission. I didn't see if anybody wanted them cut or not. God sent me there, and I just thought, it'll be all right. I'll just work it out. <laughs> now, it'll bless you going from pastoring a church running over 500 to cutting hedges on the street. That'll do something for your ego. <laughs> you know what? God wants to crush your ego so he can come through in your life. And that's what God did in my life. Just crush that ego so that we could die to ourselves that he could come alive unto us. This guy stopped by my house one day. He said, somebody told me you as a preacher might be able to help me. I said, well, if I can, I will. He said, uh, um, I need $75. Told me why. His family needed some food and his family needed some other items. And I said, man, I don't have $75. But I tell you what, if God gives me $75, I'll let you have it. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? So he went on his way and I went about my business. And a couple of days later, my wife and I were out in the backyard, and this lady pulls up in a Jeep from Ohio. She gets out, walks up to me, and crossed her arms and said, I came to pay my bill. I said, well, ma'am, you don't know me a bill as I know of. I've never seen you before in my life. She said, aren't you the guy going up and down the street cutting everybody's hedges? <laughs> I said, yes, ma'am, I'm doing that because God sent me here, not because I need any money. She said, well, I own the old house three doors up from you. always pay to have my hedges clipped, and I'm going to pay you. She pulled out a $100 bill, and she laid it down on the door, and she said, now, if you don't pick that $100 bill up, it's going to lay there. Now, you don't say that to a broke preacher in eastern Kentucky. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm going down to western Sizzling tonight to get me a steak. That's the best we can do in Harlan County, and that's 40 miles from where I live, so we got a ways to go to get to western Sizzling. And uh, as I was going in the house, God said, now, wait a minute, Lonnie. You told that boy, if I gave you $75, you'd give it to him. I just gave you $75. I said, Lord, you're right. And I cannot tell you the joy in my heart. That was the first time that I'd seen God do anything major like that. And I sat down at that phone. I called that young man on the phone. I said, man, I want you to know that God has been good to you. I told you if God gave me $75, I'd give it to you. Well, God just gave me $75. And you'll know tonight when your family sits down to a nice warm meal for the first time in a long time and the needs of your family have been met, you'll know that the Lord Jesus has been exceptionally good to you. As I was going out the door to give that young man that $75, I'm telling you what, I was walking about two feet off the ground. God touched me on the shoulder and said, boy, now I just wanted you to know, not only did I give that boy that $75, but I just paid you back your $24.99 hedge clippers all in one shot. <laughs> Isn't that just like God? I mean, God knows what you need. He knows how to take care of you if you'll just believe that he will. Now, I'm going to tell you just a couple of items, and then I'm going to be through in just a moment. I'm not going to be here a long time, but I'm just going to tell you how we believe God and what God does in response. Now, when we first started uh, uh, working there in Lynch, Kentucky, people started calling us. And um, 
I think the first year we had 600 people show up. That's pretty amazing to me. <coughs> Excuse me. And after we had those 600 people show up, we had to go around and find places for them to stay. You got to cook, you got to shower, you got to sleep, you got to do those kinds of things. Next year, 1,200 people showed up. And the next year, 2,000 people showed up. And now, we have not called one single church in 11 years to say, will you come and help us? You know why? Because God knows the people who want to help. He knows the help that we needed, and he knows how to put them together just right. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Because God knows how to take care of you. Now, you've got to look at it from my end. i got a bunch of people coming in, and I need some place for them to sleep, shower, and cook. So I started praying, Lord, I know that you want us to have a mission house. And so we started praying for a mission house. Right across the street from where we live was a 12-room house, three-story. It was in bankruptcy, and that was the ideal house, I thought. So we prayed. For a year, we prayed. And that house sold it on auction, and I thought I'd miss God. So I went back to God, and I said, God, I don't know what's going on, but I don't want to ever pray, waste your time and mine by asking you for something you're not going to do. So you teach me how to pray for this. And God said, you're praying in the right way. And the next week, he sent a, an investor from Georgia and saw the old hospital in Lynch was, uh, was vacant. I didn't even know it existed then. And he said, find out who owns it, and I'll buy it for you and let you use it for 10 years for a dollar a year. All you got to do is keep up the utilities. I said, man, that'd be wonderful. Now, this building is uh, uh, four floors, 89 rooms. And uh, so we, we hooked up the guy that... Uh, the Land company owned it with the investor, and for three months, we were excited until that investor called me back. And um, he said, Lonnie, that deal fell through with that guy in Georgia. He's not going to buy this building, and my boss is on to me to sell that old building in Lynch. And I said, man, don't sell that. I believe God wants to use that in the mountains for his glory. He said, you really believe that? I said, yes, sir. He said, why don't you buy it? It's going to put your faith where your mouth is, isn't it? I said, okay, I will. How much you want for that old building? He said, I want $85,000. I said, okay, I'll buy it. He said, how much money you got? I said, oh, I don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> I said, but my heavenly father's rich, and when he gets ready, he'll buy this building. And he said, I know you're a man of faith, but the best I can do is hold it for you for 30 days. I said, well, just hang on to it. That ought to be enough time for my father to come up with that kind of money. Don't you think... God come up with that kind of money in 30 days? Now, we don't do fundraisers. If you do fundraisers, that's wonderful. I'm not minimizing fundraising. Our approach is that we just pray and let God provide us what we need. So we did that. Three weeks later, God had given us $25,000. We hadn't asked anybody for anything, and we were very excited about that. $25,000, didn't ask anybody for a penny. You know God's into something. And so uh, he called me back. The vice president in charge of property said, Lonnie, you ready to close on that old building in Lynch? I said, yes, sir, I'm ready when you are. He said, okay, today's Tuesday. Next Tuesday will be your 30 days. Bring me a cashier's check for $85,000. I'll bring you the deed. We'll just exchange it. It'll be yours. I said, okay, I'll be there. He said, how much money you got? I said, I got $25,000. He said, now you know you need eighty-five. I said, yes, sir, but I don't need it today. <laughs> you told me next week. God's never late or early. He's always on time. We want God to show up early so we can figure out what to do with all this stuff he gives us. He doesn't work that way with us. I mean, he's right on time. So I go out of town on Wednesday. My wife calls me on Thursday and said, Honey, this guy had been praying for us. 
Said he felt led of the Lord to send down some money to use on the old building. Now, that wasn't out of the ordinary. I said, hon, just tell him, send it on down. Whatever he doesn't send, we'll pray for it. Today's Thursday. Got the next Tuesday. No use to worry about it. So I called her back on Friday. And I said, hon, did he say anything about that money? She said, yeah, he wired it down today. I said, wired it down? How much did he wire down? She said, $65,000. <laughs> now, if you know anything about money, it takes a few days to work through that. You can't just go to the bank and pick it up. I tried. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. It's got to work through this red tape. And so the money came available at 12 o'clock on Tuesday. And I got a cashier's check for $85,000 at 12 o'clock. And at 1 o'clock, I handed it in to Mr. Irons there in front of what we call... Can you show a picture of that? What we call the, now the Solomon's Porch Retreat Center. And uh, his eyes got big, and he said, boy, you sharp. By the way, that's your team right there. Yeah, right there in front of Solomon's Porch. Yeah, now show them the next slide of what, it, what the building. There it is. And that's the building that God gave us. 89 rooms, four floors. We call it Solomon's Porch Retreat Center, a place of healing and wisdom. And that's what Solomon's Porch is. And God has honored that. We opened that up the first day. We had eight teenagers give their heart to Christ on the third floor the first day that God opened that. And God had already started using that in the mountains for his glory. You've got 89 rooms, no money, no furniture. What do you do? That's right. You pray. You get in the picture now, right? You just ask God and let God provide. Can God do that? And how many of you have been to Gatlinburg? Oh, yeah, got a bunch of you. There's a little uh, aquarium there on the right, Ripley's Aquarium. You know that little Y there? You turn right, go out there to the third resort. is Edgewater Resort. They called me up, and they said, Mr. Riley, we heard about your ministry up there, and we're redoing our resort and just wondered if you need any furniture up your way. I said, yes, sir, we could use some furniture. Just go on to the next slide or two there, if you will, while I'm telling this. And uh, they, brought, they brought us 75 rooms of that cherry furniture. I mean beds, dressers, mirrors, nightstands, lamps, tables, chairs, everything. We put them in that retreat center. Now when you come to lunch, you be staying in a resort. <laughs> Isn't that just like God? It's amazing. And uh, then what we couldn't use, we gave away to people in the community and uh, then we got some from North Greenville College and Furman University and other people called us. And only God knows how they found out about us. Because God is in the process of doing it just that way. Let me tell you one more thing and I'll be through. Because we just uh, believe God. And let God show up. I was sitting in my office one day. Now, uh, I don't need the rest of these slides probably on this one. Sitting in my office one day and minding my own business. By the way, if you're a Christian, you don't mind your own business. You mind his business. Every single moment of every single day, you're minding God's business. And so I'm sitting there in my office minding God's business. And I get this phone call. And this preacher said to me, he said, I got a guy flying in from Florida. I want him to meet you. I said, okay, bring him on up. He looked around our retreat center. And he said, I'm having a meeting tonight down in Cumberland, and I, I got a guy flying in from Texas I want you to meet. Now, y'all been to Lynch, haven't you? I mean, the nearest airport is three and a half hours away. It's not right next door. It's three and a half hours away. And if somebody comes from Florida and Texas wanting to meet with me, I suspect God's up to something. 
Do you understand? I'm connecting what's happening in my life with God, not by circumstance or not by accident. God's orchestrated. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And if he is ordering your steps, every single person you meet is God's divine plan for you. And so uh, I said, okay, I'll come to that meeting. I thought he was an evangelist. He's trying to get a crowd, you know. I said, but I'll come. Went down and met with those two guys, and they weren't too impressed. Neither was I. But they said, uh, they said, we want to meet with you again on Wednesday morning. I met with them on Wednesday morning. They took me about 40 miles away from Lynch and showed me this beautiful 25-acre college campus. Had uh, eight major buildings on it, built by the Presbyterians back in 1916 as a preacher's school. Most of the buildings were in disarray and disrepair. And we looked at that old college for about three hours, and I said to those men, well, why is it that God would want me to look at this school with you? Uh, do you need my help in repairing these buildings or what? No, that guy said, well, all you need to do is say yes, and all that you see is yours. I said, what do you mean? They said, well, both of us are getting older, and we're afraid we're going to die, and the state's going to take this school, and we want to give it to somebody that was helping mountain people, and God kept leading us to you. We want to give it to you. Now, some things you don't have to pray about. If somebody offers you a 25-acre college campus, you better be prayed up already. Right? So I said, okay, I'll take it. Next word out of his mouth. Well, what are you going to do with this? Now, he expected me to come up with a strategy right there on the spot. Let me tell you what I said. I said, man, I don't have a clue. But I tell you what. The same God who just gave it to me will be the same God who will tell me what to do next. You see, you don't have to figure out everything for God. He's already got it figured out. Just follow him and believe him. And uh, sitting in the same office some weeks later, I get another call from Dallas, Texas, from a, a seminary professor, uh, Dr. Blair. And he said, Lonnie said, somebody told me you might be able to help me. They call me Mr. Riley. I just say Lonnie and they, because they don't know who I am at this point. He said, somebody told me you might be able to help me. I said, well, if I can, I will. He said, well, I've been working with deaf people up in a little town called Whitesburg. And um, God has really laid on our hearts to come up and and start a school for the deaf and hearing impaired. I said, man, I think that's awesome. But I didn't even know we had deaf people here. He said, oh, Whitesburg, Kentucky is the second largest concentration of deaf people per capita in America. I didn't know that. I mean, I'm, I'm ignorant. God isn't ignorant. We are. But when he shows you something, then all of a sudden you become educated to what God desires to do. And I said, man, did God tell you where you need to start this school? He said, no, but it'd be great if it could be located somewhere between Hazard, Kentucky, and Whitesburg, Kentucky. I sat back in my seat. I said, man, you're not going to believe it. If I just told you a few weeks ago, God gave me a college campus located directly between Hazard and Weisberg. And now we're starting a school for the deaf and hearing impaired. We have a pastor's learning center in that. You know how all that started? I just believe God. I don't have anything. I don't have any more today than I had when I moved to Lynch 11 years ago. But I tell you what, God's allowed us to use a whole lot more. It isn't mine, it's God's. I'm not building my kingdom. I'm just grateful to be a part of extending His. And that's what believing God is all about. Now, let me say this. I believe that some of you, God has allowed you to come to a certain point in your life that you've got to believe Him. And maybe that point is right now. You're just in a tough way to go. You don't know which way to turn. Your, your uh, company is about to close down. 
And uh, you've been working there for years, and you know what you're going to do. I'm telling you what you do. You trust God. You believe him. He'll take care of business for you. When we begin to pray about people to come and help us, uh, there, God has sent to date 39 full-time staff people. 39 full-time. Now, here's the key. We don't pay any of them. You say, well, how do they live? They live just like we live. Whatever God provides for them, that's what they well, God took care of 2 million people plus out there in the desert with manna. What's 39 folks to God? Ain't nothing. What's your family? Is God big enough to take care of your family? Absolutely. If I didn't believe that, I'd close that book and I'd never preach again. The world is waiting to see somebody who believes God is exactly who he says he is. Sir, would that be you today? Would you really believe God is exactly who he says he is in this book? Lady, what about you? Would you be willing to trust God with your whole life and your whole family? I guarantee you when you do, God will show himself strong on behalf of those who love him. He's always done that. Now, here's what we're going to do in our invitation this morning. If I may uh, take that, Brother Farrell. Brother Farrell's going to be right here at the front. If you need to receive Christ, maybe God's just tugged at your heart today. And you think, boy, I just want to have that kind of faith. It's in Jesus. Maybe you just need to give your heart to Christ. If so, Brother Farrell will be here and there will be others here. And we'll take the word of God without any pressure. We'll lead you, you to your commitment in Jesus. No pressure. We just want to help you in the journey. But maybe, to, maybe this morning you say, Brother Lonnie, I'm just in a bad way. and I, I just need to learn how to believe God. Well, you need to start today. It's, not, it's a process. It's not a one-time event, how you believe God. But you want to commit yourself to Christ today to start the process of believing Him. Now, watch this close. You don't want anybody bothering you today. You just want to come and do business with God right by yourself, just you and God, nobody else around. I'm going to ask you to come here at this altar in just a moment to my left, to your right. And just by the fact that you're kneeling right here, not another person in this room will bother you. Now, you need to be sensitive to that because I've just told them what I want them to do. But maybe, maybe if you, some of you would want someone to come alongside you and pray with you and just put a comforting hand on your shoulder just to let somebody know that, that they're there and they're caring for you and they're loving you and they're praying for you. They're not going to ask you why you're praying. They're just going to put a comforting hand on your shoulder and just whisper a little prayer to the Father on your behalf. If that describes your heart, I'm going to ask you to come to my right to your left. And just by the fact that you're here at this altar, one of these prayer warriors will just slip alongside you and just whisper a little prayer. You see, we're here today because God has given us a divine opportunity to encounter Him. And we'll never be able to leave the same. When God shows up, we'll never be the same. And that'll be true for you. I'm going to pray, and then while the music plays, I'm going to ask you to come and take your place where God is with you. This is the work of God that you believe in Let's pray. Father, we're grateful today for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that it isn't complicated or difficult to follow you. But Lord, we're grateful today that you've challenged us. And now that you've challenged us, would you change us? And would you conform us to look just like Jesus? And we'll thank you for it. His Amen. Would you stand, please? Remain with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. You find your way to this altar. Do it very quickly.